Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Last time on Man of the Crowd. We made the very difficult decision to fire Brian this morning. I could be three coaches past Brian Billick nine years from now trying to solve this puzzle. There is a Hall of Fame coach out there, and it's our job to find him. And he goes, and I will be a great head coach. I'm going to be a great head coach for somebody. But with the people in this room, I can be a great head coach here. And Steve said something like, well, we believe you can. You could see John's eyes kind of wander around the room. And then he looked over at Steve and he goes, are you offering me the job? <laughs> and what I saw in the eyes of the guys in the first meeting was just, no, we're not buying into this. Brian set the bar pretty high, so John better be successful. From the Baltimore Ravens, this is Man of the Crowd a multi-episode podcast that pulls back the curtain on Ravens figures' personal lives. This season, the Harbaugh family. I'm Sarah Ellison. Who could possibly have it better than us? Nobody! We're going to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Because you are fighters, and that's what you are going to be. Today, tomorrow, you are going to fight. If I got to choose the theme song for John Harbaugh's first few years in Baltimore, ooh, I'd have the perfect one. It'd be Run This Town by Jay-Z, featuring Rihanna and Kanye West. And that's because some of the lyrics in the chorus precisely encapsulate how Harbaugh felt after he was hired as the head coach. I think you know the lyrics, right? Only thing that's on my mind is who's going to run this town tonight. But in place of the word town, substitute the word team. Because it was the obscure former special teams coordinator versus a group of strong-willed veterans fighting for the control of the team. And Harbaugh wasn't going to lose that battle, at least not without an enthusiastic fight. Anyway, remember this from last week? It's Lardarius Webb telling about his first, and awkward, team meeting as a rookie in 2009. Harbaugh and potential Hall of Fame safety Ed Reed butted heads in front of the entire team. Here he is with my colleagues, Ryan Mink and Garrett Downing. Harbs, Harbs like, he's like sitting down like this, like leaning back in his chair in the front. And then Harbs like, um, Sam's talking and he's like, Ed, sit up. Ed was like... He sat up, you know, he sat up. That thing, you know, Carson went back talking, he was like, Ed, you either sit up or you can leave. Ed got up and just walked out there. <laughs> I was like, huh? 
Golly! He just walked out. <laughs> that is hilarious. I was like, this is my first time getting to see him. Like, he gone. <laughs> I was like, man, this is what the NFL is about. Oh. <laughs> great wow, that's awesome! Oh, great stuff. He didn't awesome. sit up. He said, "I guess he didn't." He set up enough. He didn't sit up enough, and then that, that was around Harps, his first year, his right. years. He, they talked year. about yeah, it, yeah. and they kind of butted heads, and then yeah, it just he didn't just butt head when Harps first got him. Man, oh, he was the. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> man, he was tough on us, you know. Like, um, and you know, and I can't, I can't, I don't know if I can blame it on because. He had we had nothing but veterans here, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the whole defense was kind of veterans, right. so he had to like get this to, to be strong. This is my team, you right. know. A new coach, I don't care if y'all older guys. This is my team, mm-hmm. you know. To kind of because he had to be. We had Jared Johnson. We had, we had them all, you know. Yeah. So he had to kind of be like that, I guess. Throughout my eight years, he was just like tough, way tough, tough, tough. I'm wondering if you picked up on the same thing I did from Webb's story. I mean, other than the obvious of how tough Harbaugh was on his players. But did you notice that Webb started to empathize with his head coach? And by putting himself in Harbaugh's shoes, he actually hit the nail on the head for why Harbaugh came in so tough. It's because he wanted to quickly grab the reins of the team before all the influential veterans did. When we followed Harbaugh up to a coach's clinic with his dad and brother in Ann Arbor, Michigan last year, he literally said he thought there was a chance he could be run out. When I first got the job in Baltimore, it was a big shock anyway, so nobody thought it was going to happen. You know, there's one guy who believed in me. Dad always talks about that. You have to have somebody believe in you, and the owner did. And I figured, you know what, I'm probably going to get run out of here anyway, so I'm going to make sure I do what I believe and do it the way I believe and build the kind of football team I believe in. And that's irregardless of, 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 of what other people might think. And, you know, you go in there and you respect people, you treat people right. We had Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. We had iconic type of personalities. Rex Ryan, you know, we had a lot of personalities. And you respect the fact, you respect that, but those guys weren't going to run the Ravens. The head coach was going to, was going to be in charge, so to speak. And you're the one that believes in what you believe, and you're the one that's going to have the record next to your name, and you've got to, you've got to do it the way you believe that is to do it right. And I figured it's, it's, uh, I'm not going to keep the job, I'm going to do the job. Let's be real here. If losses were to pile up, who do you think would be blamed? Obviously the head coach. You think anybody would give him a pass if he said, oh, but wait, guys, it's not my fault. We're not even doing things the way I would like to. It's the players who are running things. Uh, no. Even when criticism is warranted, Head coaches often get an unfair portion of the blame. Tomorrow is never promised, especially for a first-time head coach with no background of success to fall back on. Harbaugh was keenly aware of that. Remember, his dad had coached for more than 40 years and the family moved 17 times. This could have been Harbaugh's only shot at living his coaching dream. And Senior Vice President of Public Relations Kevin Byrne explained how that may have affected his approach when he arrived. I think at the beginning, he felt that he had to grab as much as he could because he's the head coach and he's the one who's most vulnerable. Mm. And I think coming from a coaching family, uh, there's a certain distrust. 
because he's had to move. He's seen it with his own dad. He's seen it with his dad. He was at different schools. He has seen his sister go to different schools. And it's hard to do that as a family. It's hard for the kids. It's hard for the mom if you're following the husband with who has a job that has transfers or firings. Mm. So I think what John is better at is that at the beginning he felt, I got to, this is my job and I've got to get my second contract, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, and, and he believes in himself. And now he believes that, well, all these people can really help me. And so I think he's more patient with, wait a minute, they're pretty good at this. Let me, let me hear this out. Tell me why, you know, I should be thinking this way or why we can do this because mm-hmm. my impulse is get him out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that comes with a little job security too, because it's like, I remember him saying, if I'm going to get fired, I'm going to get fired doing it my way. Exactly. With so much on the line, it's easy to see why Harbaugh came in tough. Plus we already know how the Harbaugh's approach conflict, right? First, they're not afraid of it. And then they attack it enthusiastically. They try to separate the issue from the person, but they will relentlessly fight for that higher purpose. And John felt like this was a worthy cause. You know, because it was a fight, and I couldn't back down. Yeah. And it, it, it felt more like a fight than it did anything else for, you know, at times. I mean, there were great moments, too. Sure, yeah. Because, because really, it was, there was really a real, a, real, a, real conf, a real fight for the kind of the control of the team, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and I wish I wasn't backing down. I mean, there's I, a certain way the team, the team was going to be what we were all about. And that meant certain things were going to be done certain ways. Well, a fight was exactly what outside linebacker Jarrett Johnson saw when Harbaugh came to Baltimore. I talked to Jarrett to get a player's perspective on this drawn-out, on-again, off-again five-year battle. And as a quick side note, JJ, or Double J as he's affectionately called, he was kind enough to talk to me while he was at home with his family, so you'll hear his cute kiddos at the background from time to time. I think when John came in the building... He was expecting a fight. I think he was expecting, you know, defiance and expecting disobedient type guys. And I think we did have a lot of strong-willed players. We did have a lot of hard-headed players. We had a lot of players who were set in their way. But you didn't have a lot of bad guys. You didn't have a lot of disrespectful guys. Right. And I think in a lot of ways, John was bowed up and, you know, chin up, ready for a fight. And we really weren't. Uh, I think we were more accepting of him than he likes to think. I think that he thought he had to win us over when in reality, we, he already won us over. You know, um, we respected him from day one, even though we went through some hard times. You know, we always respected him. I always appreciated what he was bringing to the table and the type of guy he was. What, what was so difficult about that transition? Well, um, I, I don't, I, you know, in a lot of ways, we were two different teams. We were an offense and a defense, and a lot of us didn't get along. One of John's big things when he came in is he wanted a complete team. He wanted um, a, a team not just built around the defense, but built around everybody. So one of the things he, he did to com- combat that was to challenge the defense and challenge the defensive leaders. A lot of times he would side with the offense. You know, he was trying to motivate them. And in hindsight, see what he was trying to do and what uh, essentially he did do. You know, he built a complete team. And their last Super Bowl they won in 2012, they did it 
with a great quarterback and a complete offense. And frankly, the defense was not that great that year. Um, yeah, I think it was ranked 15th or 16th, not up to typical yeah, so, Ravens standards. Right, exactly. And he accomplished his goal. But there's, there's early years where, you know, they were they, they were good a lot of times and they were rocky a lot of times because he was he was trying to not beat us down, but he was trying to get the offense uh, he was trying to to com- build a complete team, and so he was trying to to motivate them, trying to give them confidence, and try to get better players on on that side of the ball, which essentially he did. Why do you think he came in that way, where he was expecting a fight? Well, I think we we had the we had the persona of of being that that those type of players, the bullies. Um, yeah, kind of yeah. bullies, you know, brass, you know, a lot of guys didn't show up for the off-season program. He didn't like that. He wanted a lot of guys, uh, he wanted guys around, which is understandable. And the other thing, John's a tough dude. John's a no-nonsense. He's not going to back down from anybody. He doesn't care who you are. He, he wants what he expects out of his players. You know, in his early years, that he uh, he just had a, a perception of us. And to some way, in some degree, it was right. In a lot of ways, I don't, I don't think it was real accurate. It's nine years later, so things could have changed. But in talking to Harbaugh, I honestly didn't pick up on the resentment that J.J. was referring to. In fact, to me, it only seems natural for the players to want Ryan to get the job over Harbaugh. That's because some of the players had a 10-year history with Ryan, and most of them had never even heard of Harbaugh. To me, it'd be strange if they didn't want Ryan to get it. Plus... Harbaugh has hired several former head coaches to be his assistants on his staff multiple times over the years. That includes Gary Kubiak, Mark Tressman, Marty Morningwig, Cam Cameron, Jim Caldwell, and more. He's never shown a history of feeling threatened by another qualified person on his staff, whether they're well-liked by the players or not. It says a lot about both Harbaugh and Ryan for Ryan to stay on the staff for another year. Well, you know, when the coaching search was going on, you know, absolutely. Rex was, was our guy, you know, he, we were very loyal to him as he was very loyal to us and we wanted him to get the job. In hindsight, the decision that, that Steve and Ozzie made, you know, at the time I didn't understand why they, they didn't go with Rex because everybody loved Rex. Rex was a great coach, but in hindsight, I see why they picked a guy like John over a, a coach like Rex. They didn't want just a defensive coach. You know, and I, I I think Rex has done a great job with Jets and doing a good job at Buffalo. But I don't think he would have done as good a job as as John has done, you know, changing that organization from not just a, a defensive team but to a to a complete team. You know, I know I'm sure that John had some maybe some resentment about us put one Rex to be a, a head coach, but, you know, at the end of the day, the Ravens made the right choice, and John has done a phenomenal job as a head coach, a first-time head coach, and, I mean, he's he's been phenomenal. Ryan actually went on to be the head coach for the New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills, so both swallowed any potential pride they may have had by working together in Baltimore, and they both handled it with class and professionalism. Okay, so while there didn't seem to be any real resentment... Ryan's presence did have a tangible effect on the culture that Harbaugh was trying to change. And that's not anybody's fault. It was just part of the challenging transition process. So the easiest thing would have been to, would have been to move on from Rex. But, you know, Rex and I were friends. I knew Rex, you know, pretty well from being with him before. And I knew how, you know, how, much, how talented he was and, and all that. But 
And, and it was great that we did that because it what we did was we transitioned the defensive structure and system. We transitioned it across a coaching change, which was really good. And remnants of that are still in place today. You know, that's all evolved tremendously also. But, but that's still the foundation of it. So we were able to kind of have continuity from the 1996 through to 2017 now. Mm -hmm. That continues. And try to make it a positive. But the challenge was that the guys saw the guys having Rex still there, the guys had a great deal of loyalty toward Rex. And Rex was the first guy to be basically saying, hey, I'm, I'm with John, I believe in John. This is the way we're gonna do it. We, we see things the same way. Mm -hmm. We're in this together. But the guys, by giving you know, their, their loyalty or their allegiance or their, their buy-in to this idea of, of moving, the, the, that Steve wanted to transform the team into, was almost like not being loyal to Rex anymore. Or, yeah. or the, what had taken place in the past, especially for the defensive guys. I'm just wondering, do you think the Rex Ryan factor played in at all? Definitely. That's Ravens columnist John Eisenberg. There's no doubt. I mean, those defensive guys, years later, still talk about Rex Ryan. You know, he was, and it's nothing against any of the coordinators that have come along since, some of whom, you know, are very popular. You know, but Rex didn't get the job for a number of reasons. Which were? Well, uh, you know, I think Rex just wasn't at that, certainly at that point in his career, and you could argue still today, you know, just not as polished, yeah. you know, and I think Steve Bishotti was looking for someone. Uh, the Ravens are, every franchise has sort of an MO. The Ravens, I think, are pretty, you know, successfully corporate, in a corporate style, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, they're going to behave for the most part. You know, it's not the, not the rowdy Raiders and, you know, it's not, you know, it's, you know, the Baltimore Ravens have been very buttoned down, very successful. So they want someone in that style. And Rex, that wasn't Rex. Right. You know, Rex was going to say crazy. All the stuff that he did do said crazy stuff and, yeah. you know, was just it was just kind of nuts. And I, I don't think that that's what Steve wanted. As Harbaugh said, while Ryan's presence made the old culture more challenging to move on from. Ryan was often the first person to jump on board so that he could be an example to the players. And that became evident when Harbaugh got into it with J.J. and the defense. The very first spring, you know, we have, uh, we have, a, we have a kind of a sort of, a, not a scrimmage, but we're kind of going offense against defense and a drill, and the defense is just, just marauding against the offense. And Cam, you know, Cam was, a lot of the, big, the thing that Cam did so well was Cam, Cam was strong and tough. And he didn't back down to the, you know, the, the big brother, little brother mentality that the defense would even talk about. And Cam says, we're not accepting this. Harbaugh's referring to Cam Cameron, the Ravens offensive coordinator at the time. So they were rising up and they were, they were kind of showing their, 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 their spine and their metal a little bit. And the defense didn't really like it. And they were going back and forth. And it was getting really ugly at practice. So I just went over and I told him, I said, hey, that's enough. So we're a team. And that sideline kind of unleashed on me, you know. Like, we've been doing this a long time around here, and we've been great for a long time. And it was Jared Johnson who said it. And I said, really, you've been great? I said, great is 24th in the league. We were six. You were six in the yard, 24th in points. That's what counts. They don't count yards for wins and losses. So Jared steps out of there and kind of, like, challenges me, like, you know, like, like you got a problem. And I look at him, and I kind of, like, and I walk, to, I walk to him. We're about five feet apart. You know, he's 275 pounds. I'm, a, I'm about a buck 95. You know, and I'm, I'm looking at him, and he's, and he's kind of you know, looking at me. I go, you want to go? You want to go right now? And, and my thought in my mind was, when I said go, was like, go off the practice field. Right, and you go know, talk. I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, go, go, yeah. get out of here. Oh, do you want to leave? Okay. Yeah. His thing, he, thought, he looked at me like, 
like, are you crazy? And he told me later, he laughed, but he goes, he goes, I thought you meant go, like, drop the gloves and go right now. And I'm like, this guy crazy? Yeah, you going to yeah. fight me right out here in front of the whole team, you know? And, uh, and, uh, and then, you know, and we laughed about it. And, and Rex, you know, afterwards was just a mess. He was just distraught. He was beside himself, you know? And, and I had to go to his office, and he's like, you know, this is, you know, it's not what it's supposed to be, and I didn't mean for that to be like that, and you've got it all wrong, and you're missing, you know, you're not. And I said, no, I don't have it wrong. I said, I have it right. You know, we're in this together. We're not fighting. We're not. It's not against between us. Yeah. This is this is against this 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 thing that we got to transform and change here. And and, he, and we had a great talk, and then we said, well, let's let's walk down to the cafeteria. They're all down there together, and all wondering, and they're all waiting. And we walked down to that cafeteria together, and we were laughing and joking and you know, punching each other kind of just having, yeah. just being like we always were, you know, and having a good time. And, and you, could, you could just hear the, you could just hear the whole, the tension just break up in the, right. in the whole team at that moment, you know, and I thought, okay, we're, we're on our way. We're going to be okay. In addition to building up the offense, Harbaugh wanted to change some of the locker room dynamics at the Ravens. JJ told me that Billick was much more hands-off when it came to things like player interactions and their dress code. And then linebacker Ray Lewis also told me that the players policed themselves in the locker room when Billick was in charge. He noted how this was a major departure from what Harbaugh was used to or how he wanted to run things going forward. Yeah, I remember when he first got there, um, you know, we had a, a veteran core and it was, it, was the, it was a great learning curve for each other. You know, him coming from, you know, going to the next level and then him coming to us and I, th I think what started to happen early was we started to gain a lot of conversation with each other to really start to understand each other because I think him coming from a team that was you know predominantly ran by the players it was really it was different it was really different allowing the players to run and police the locker room on their own without the head coach's influence definitely was not how Harbaugh saw things going especially not after the owner hired him to improve the culture of the team and said things had gotten to a bad place. Remember Bashadi saying this to Harbaugh? And that was a that was a really bad vibe. And I told him from day one, that will be your biggest challenge. Mm. It's not an indictment on Ed or Ray or John feeling his way. It's literally the passing of the torch and them having to take no for an answer, let's yeah. say. No, we're not going to view it through this prism anymore. So Harbaugh was going to have an influence in policing the locker room. And it started with discontinuing the special treatment that Jarrett Johnson said the more productive veterans received under the old regime. Like, I know, I know that, uh, I mean, John told the story, this is with Ray and Suggs, that he boarded up their lockers when they first had two. And they'd have yeah. this little game yeah. where Suggs would tear his, the boards down and John would have it put back yeah. up. And I think there's a story where John <laughs> wanted to stop doing Ray Lewis's dance coming out of the tunnel, right? Was that true? I heard that. I, I, I heard that. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, everything was centered around the team. He didn't want anybody to be more special than the other. And see, that was one thing that was different from Rex. If you were one of Rex's guys, if you were an established member of the team, if you were, you know, if you were a playmaker and you did things right, Rex did not care about stuff like that. Neither did Billing. That stuff like that was allowed. You know, TVs in the locker room, Terrell having two or three lockers or whatever he had, you know, Ray doing his dance, you know, guys showing up whenever they wanted in the off season. As long as you showed up and performed, they didn't care about that. 
John wanted the complete package. He wanted you to um, to do things the right way. He didn't like that stuff. Giving players special treatment because they performed well, that did not jive with Harbaugh's deeply ingrained principle of the team, the team, the team. And of course, the Ravens veterans already knew that football was the ultimate team sport. I mean, you don't make it this far as an NFL player and not understand that concept. So it's not like they flat out disagreed or were in open rebellion. But the definition of a team player can mean different things to different people. And Harbaugh's vision for it was very detailed, and it manifests itself in ways that seem small and insignificant to some of the veterans. Ravens Senior Vice President of Public Relations Kevin Byrne explained that there is a delicate balance between letting an individual shine, but not if it separated himself from the team. Well, John uh, um, has a way. You know, John wants, this is what we're going to do. And a big part of that is we are going to work hard. Mm. And uh, we are not that Brian didn't work the team hard, but uh, and, and simple things, mm-hmm. simple things. I remember this. Uh, John says to me one day, you know, a practice player is going to tuck in their jerseys. And uh, and I kind of joked and I said, really? I said, that's that's a big deal. And he goes, it's a very big deal. And he looked at me seriously like I would question that. Right. And then so I go, OK. What happens if, if Terrell Suggs doesn't want to tuck in his jersey? Right. And he goes, I'm still in charge of playing time. You know, so he, he made rules that some veterans are going, why are we doing that? Right. But it all went back to his concept of team, team, team. You don't separate yourself from the team when you are doing team activities. Mm-hmm. So John has a great thing, and he tells the players every year, I want your light to shine. Show me your personality. Show the world your personality. But don't do it to separate yourself from the team. Right. So I, I think it, it, it encourages players to say what they believe, to, to do things away from the game that shows personality and fun uh, or seriousness. But when they're in the confines of the team, the team huddle, don't separate yourself from the team unless it's with great plays. That's why Harbaugh was going to put an end to Terrell Suggs Ray Lewis, and other select stars getting two lockers while everyone else had one. And that wasn't Hall. He also wanted everyone to dress a certain way on the team plane. Then, their uniform shirts were going to be tucked in. The color of their cleats was going to be the same, and those cleats were going to be laced up. Harbaugh wanted better attendance for voluntary, organized team activities. He wanted players to run to the ball and finish drills a certain way. And if you made a bad play on the field, it was going to get called out, even if you were a pro bowler. And no, it wasn't just a rumor that cutting Ray Lewis's iconic dance out of the tunnel was up for discussion, which I'll get into in just a minute. But first, Harbaugh was going to revoke the privilege of giving two lockers to some of the stars. And Ray Lewis was actually quick to surrender it, especially after Harbaugh explained that the optic just didn't look right with the preached team-centric philosophy. Why, why were you so willing to buy in? Because a locker, for me... Um, the locker never defined who I was, mm-hmm. right? Me having two lockers had nothing to do with me wanting just to have two lockers. 
it just fell that way. Right. One of the guys who was in my corner just moved out. And I was like, oh, guess what? It's vacant. Let me take this, right? Okay. And that's what you do with lockers. You don't you don't board space up. You right. use space, right? I was I was raising the projects. In the projects, you use all the space you have. <laughs> right? And so, you know, but but when he, you know, made the issue, but I'm like, listen, I'm not, oh, bro, I'm so over that. I'm not finna argue with him about a locker. Like, if he wants to board a locker, board a locker. He can have whatever, so yeah. Terrell Suggs wasn't so quick to give up his extra space. Suggs just tore the board down and kept using the locker. So, Harbaugh had it put back up again. And that back and forth continued for weeks. And even though they still talked to each other just as they normally would, they never talked to each other directly about this locker struggle. Then finally, Suggs just got tired of tearing the boards down. And today, he still sticks to just his one locker. But Suggs told my colleagues Ryan Mink and Garrett Downing that he hated Harbaugh's change at first. You know, I would say Billick's favorites uh-huh. had two lockers, you know. So uh, he just, when Harbs got here, he just wanted to kind of, you know, put his stamp on the locker room. You know, it's like, no, everybody gets one locker. And not only that, you know, remember on MLK in there, that was like all D linemen and linebackers back there. <laughs> okay. And that's what we call it, MLK. <laughs> So, you know, Martin Luther King Boulevard, but, um, you know, he even switched that and he just kind of made it like a more cohesive locker room. You know, we didn't like it at first, you know, like, yo, why you, why you move me away from this guy? Why you move me away from that guy? You know what I'm saying? But, but then, um, you know, it turned out to be, it turned out to work because, you know, now, uh, like my locker is next to James Hurst and he's one of the coolest guys ever. Like, <laughs> it's like, if, if, you know, he never really, if he didn't ever moved him there, like, I probably would have never, I wouldn't have a personal relationship with James, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, for a long time, it was a loadies locker, so he did do me that. James Hurst was an undrafted free agent who plays offensive tackle. And on the surface, Hurst and Suggs seemed like polar opposites and unlikely friends. Anyway, there was another change for the stars on the team that wasn't well received at first. Their bad play would get called out, just like everyone else on the team, especially if it hurt their teammates or left them out to dry. And according to Kevin Byrne, not even Ray Lewis or Ed Reed was exempt. Well, Ed, the reason he's going to be in the Hall of Fame soon is that uh, he's like an independent contractor as a safety. You know, the, the, the mm. defense had rules on where he's supposed to be. But what separated him is he would instinctively, by study, go to the right place. Sometimes that meant Ed Reed was giving up big plays that the world didn't know about. Right. And, uh, and John would say, look, I want you to make those plays, but you can't expose us. You can't, you can't lose a game for us that way. And so um, he was hard on Ed that way in terms of, look, you got to stay within the rules of it, but at the same time, I want you to be Ed Reed and let your light shine. Right. And f- I can imagine for Ed, well, how do I find that? I got here in the first place by leaving what we're supposed to do and recognizing that when I see the tight end there, you know, that I'm going to go fly to that because I'm going to intercept it. But what John would tell Ed is, yeah, but they're giving you that look because they think you're going to bite now. Uh-huh. They've studied you. And now it looks like, Jimmy Smith or Chris McAllister has has beat, been beaten badly because you're not backing them up back there. And uh, um, I think at team meetings, John would show good and bad plays of all players. Right. So if Ray Lewis made a bad play, he said, Ray, you know you should have been there. And he'd do it with Ed. And I think Ed was offended by mm-hmm. that a little bit. Um, 
and they had to reach a balance a little bit. It's I, I remember with Rod Woodson, a, a, a Hall of Famer, that they had the same thing with Rod Woodson, that Rod would say, look, guys, no offense to you, Marvin Lewis, but the reason you wanted me in the first place is because I can go make plays. Mm. Don't restrict me into my little box uh, covering this part of the field. And yeah. uh, so with great players, there's always that yin and yang. And, and, and it took a while for uh, John and Ed to... Uh, to put their arms around each other. But when you win the ultimate, you know, then then Ed's looking like, hey, I should have been paying attention even more. Yeah, winning cures all. (laughs) Winning really does cure all. Because somehow throughout all these battles, Harbaugh and the Ravens kept winning year after year until they took home the Lombardi Trophy in 2012. It was after this game that Harbaugh experienced with Reed one of the greatest moments of his 30-plus year coaching career we got the baltimore and 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 we got had a guy named ed reed okay greatest safety in the history of the game and ed ed is a great player and a great guy i mean studied football loved and everything but he was up and down he would tell you to this day and when the hood was up and the face was covered up that was an ed that you really weren't going to talk to that day other times he'd come in he'd smile and he'd he'd be your guy but we had a lot of clashes early on because ed didn't like the way we were doing things didn't see it and there were even times like, and he, he said it later, we're on the bus ride home from the Super Bowl, and he kind of looked at me and he smiled, and he said, he said, now I see it. Now I see it, coach. Now I see it. Now I understand. And we both knew what he meant. And there were times that we didn't talk to each other for weeks. We would, I, w- I would make a point. I didn't talk to him because I didn't really appreciate the way he was treating me, and he wasn't being respectful of the program. And we'd walk by each other and not say hello. And I, but I knew it bothered him, and I knew it. But, but before that happened, I told him, I, I said something along the lines of, I, I know you, you may not like me and you may not be doing the, we may not be doing things the way you think they should be done, but that's not gonna change the way I feel about you, man. I love you. When I talked to Harbaugh, he went into more detail about that Super Bowl moment with Reed and what it meant to him after such a trying five years together. We were on the bus after the game finally, really late, and it was like the last bus back, and I'm sitting there with Allison and Ingrid and other family and different, five or six players in the bus, and Ed Reed plops down in the head coach's spot. He says, this is my, my, I'm sitting here, coach. This is your spot, but I'm sitting here. And so I pop down where Ozzy normally sits. And I said, yeah. I said, Ed, man, it's all yours. You earned it. Yeah. You know, and he kind of looked at me, and he, he got real emotional. And he said something along the lines of, you know, all the things that you were trying to say from the first day, all the things that you've been telling us, he goes, now I see clearly what wow. you were saying. And he's told me that a number of times since then. And that was the moment where I just realized, you know what, it's all been worth it. You know, that was the moment where, you know, Ed said that to me. And I was just like, you know, and Ray had told me things along those lines before. And, and Ray and Ed were great. And, you know, but I, it's hard for me to even put the whole thing into words. Someday I'll have a chance to probably sit down and really give it some thought and put pen to paper and yeah. and talk about it. But, but, you know, it's funny because, okay, then... Then you have that moment, and then you wake up the next morning, and you know what? Life goes on. And there are new challenges, you know? There's always something new. Right. That's, that's incredible to me, though, that it, it took that many years. Um, it's not an easy fix, and yet you guys were winning the whole time. Right. So somehow you guys were able to keep, you were f- figuring it out while you kept going. Right. Well, the thing, the thing that, that overrides all that, you know, we don't all have to see things exactly the same way or be on the same page, but we do have to, you know, we do have to build a relationship and respect one another and really love one another. It's okay to have conflict. We say all the time, you know, we've got a lot of little 
leadership ideas here, but I think they're just truths. They're kind of universal truths, but one of them is that is confrontation is good. And in this sense, we, we confront everything, but we don't confront anyone. Mm. You know, it's not about, we're not confronting one, our, the battle is not against one another. You know, we're not, we're not in conflict with one another. We're in conflict with things that are much bigger than our, outside of ourselves. Yeah. You know, let's fight those things and let's fight them together. We won't always agree on how to, on how to fight them, but let's, let's have that fight. I was very curious about how Harbaugh was able to overcome all the obstacles in front of him to go on and win the Super Bowl. Well, you can't get anything done in this league if you don't string a few wins together first. And Harbaugh did just that. Think about this. In 2007, the year before Harbaugh came on board, the Ravens went 5-11, which was the worst record in the AFC North that year. Then, in Harbaugh's first year in 2008, Baltimore went 11-5 and was just one game away from the Super Bowl by advancing to the AFC Championship game. Such incredible success goes a long way with earning credibility, says Ravens columnist John Eisenberg. Well, uh, I think first off, I think winning in that first year was just huge. The mm -hmm. first year to go all the way to the, to the AFC title game was just, it just changed everything. It was just like, okay, I mean, immediately he proves you can, you're one step away from the Super Bowl, your first year. Yeah. So that says, okay. He can do it. I mean, it's obvious he can do it. If you get within one game, then you're close enough. Okay. So, yes, and how did he do that that year? I mean, if you, if you really go back and look at that year, I mean, pretty much let the defense, he stayed out of the way. You know, it was Rex's defense still, stayed out of the way. Which is a credit to John. He's a competitive yeah. guy. He knows what he wants, but yeah, he yeah. knew where to draw the line for that first year. He did. He did. He, you know, that was still the Ed Reed, Ray Lewis defense. Just let them keep doing what they're okay. doing. And offensively, with a rookie quarterback, there's no doubt that uh, they adjusted to that scenario and, and simplified things way down. Mm -hmm. You know, now X's and O's, I, I can't get into that. Yeah. But there's no doubt it was like, we're going to keep it real simple here. And, you know, the first thing we're going to do, I mean, it's football 101. I'm sure some fans probably wish they were still doing it today, which is, number one, don't give the game away. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to be really careful. We're not going to give the game away. And very slowly roll out, you know, the things that can that can help you win a game on offense. And so I think they adjusted. John uh, definitely adjusted to that scenario of having a rookie quarterback first year. Be very careful, very simple. And between that and the defense, it was became a winning and not giving the game away. So important. Mm -hmm. I think that was a winning scenario, it turned out. And so that proved to the whole locker room, he can win, period. And so then after that, you know, you're you're just a, you're just another winning coach, and you you really got them. You got some credibility. You do. While trying to expel the more toxic behavior that brought the offense down, Harbaugh was still able to preserve what was good about the defense on the field. But as Joe Flacco progressed in subsequent seasons, it became increasingly helpful in helping the offense become equal with the defense and in creating a complete team. The Ravens' run to Super Bowl 47 was no doubt fueled by Joe Flacco. He became only the second quarterback to throw 11 touchdowns to no interceptions throughout one postseason in NFL history. The only other quarterback to do that? Oh, it was just the legendary Joe Montana. But there was another key to Harbaugh eventually winning his team over. Now, even though he was tough on his players, Harbaugh was also flexible, and he had the ability to adapt. Being relentless doesn't mean being stubborn and unwilling to listen. Remember, Harbaugh is relentless in the pursuit of winning, 
not in the pursuit of getting his way. If he has to change in order to win, Harbaugh will change. Just ask Ray Lewis and Ozzie Newsom. I did. What is the best quality John Harbaugh has as a coach? Um, honestly, adaptability. Every coach has to have that. So he did adapt. He did. He had to. He had to. You know, because you know, if you if you don't, you lose people that you may never gain back, and that's the last thing a coach wants to do. So I think when he started to adapt to have conversations, right? That, yeah, you can run your run, run run the team, do your thing, but you have to have conversations with people that has paved the way before this even you even had this job or had this opportunity. And I think once once he started to really accept that, I think everybody, you know, then he started to laugh a little bit. Like, man, look, don't be coming out here so serious. Freaking laugh. We cool. We go. We go come to work. You know what I'm saying? It's just certain ways. I think people just had their patterns, had their ways in like doing it. But it was it, it wasn't wasn't nothing wrong with what he was trying to do. It was just how to do it. So I think once I bought in, I was like I was talking to the guy. I said, "Listen, trust me, bro. He he, all right. Yeah. I mean, we can we 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 can figure this out. Right? He's not. He's definitely not the freaking enemy. So let's just get it out of our heads right now. He's for us. He's really for us. I, I, overall, I'm telling you. You know, you go from year one to the year we won it, we were a totally different brotherhood. And that's what, for me, makes it worth staying in Baltimore forever. Because, yeah, it may have been, it may have been rocky, but when we got to the end of it, we finished it the way we wanted to finish it. How would you say, coming in from as a rookie coach to now being a Super Bowl winning coach, nine years experience, how has he evolved? What he's learned is what's important yeah. about winning and what's important in dealing with people. This is Ozzie Newsom. You know, and that doesn't happen overnight because you come in with, with certain ideas about the way you want things to be. Mm-hmm. Then you find out it could be totally the opposite. And so he's matured into those aspects of what's really important, you know. And I mean, it's just decisions now that he just just asked the players, what do y'all want to do? You know, with the schedule of practice, what do y'all want to do? When do y'all want to practice? When do y'all want to leave to go on a flight? All of those things that, you know, maybe he had his arms around him when he first came in. Now he realized that, you know what, you know, the players can, if they are vested, if they are part of the process, then you can get a lot more out of them. Do you think that's why that leadership council was formed? Yeah, well, I mean, I think everybody has a leadership council, but you Mm -hmm. can have a leadership council but sometimes it just can be a counseling word in name. Yeah. It's not that way with John because because periodically he'll have me to set in on it when we have some things to discuss. And he wants the input and he takes the input of the players and say, OK, this is the way we're going to do it. So it's just not a, a, a council right. so that, it, that it appease everybody else in the building that people think they have a say, right. they actually have a say. It's not like putting lipstick on a pig. Exactly. And it's, 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 it's legitimate. It's legitimate, exactly. Right. And I think the players really appreciate that, and they take that and take it back into the locker room. Everybody knows that John is uh, tough, and he's a competitor, and he can't address the elephant in the room, but there is that some humility there that I don't think as many people get to see. Well, yeah, well, uh, number one, he wants to create the best environment that he can, you okay. know, and that's for his coaches, that's for his players, and that's all the other, I mean, the equipment managers, the train, all of those people, he want to create a very good working environment with everyone. But uh, what you're saying is that John is probably, and it's a little bit better than I am, I can see John, and he can talk to any individual and have a conversation yeah, with Yeah, he can. And he is 
immersed in the conversation that he's having with that person, regardless of what the subject is. That's a true talent, you know, to be able to do that, to be able to express himself or to communicate with all types of people mm-hmm. in all walks of life. I think that's the true strength. Makes that individual person feel important. Always. Yeah. You know, he does. And, and like I say, he's one of the best listeners I've been around. Remember when I said Harbaugh considered discontinuing Lewis's dance out of the tunnel? Well, his adaptability was made manifest when he eventually agreed to it. Harbaugh sat down with Steve Sable, the president of NFL Films, to discuss how that decision went down. One of the things that's interesting to a fan with Reyes is the pregame introduction. And as a coach, what do you think of that? Is it, is, it's like when you see it, is he's, it's all about me. I'm drawing attention to myself. John, what did you think when well, you took over and you saw that? Yeah, I probably thought the same thing that everybody else thought out there because I was looking at it from the outside in and didn't know Ray, you know, and, and, and you, would, you would maybe assume it is about it's a selfish thing. And Rex and I had this conversation, yeah. and my first thought was, you know, we're not going to do this. So when he came to me, I said, all right, I said, we can stop it. And then I was like, I think you should just ask a couple of players here there and see what they say. And they was like, man, you can't stop that. You know what I'm saying? That's like a part of us. You get in that stadium and, and Ray does that dance, the place just explodes. And that's what Ray's all about. It's not about him. You know, whether you come out as a team or whether you do it the way the Ravens do and it's kind of built around Ray Lewis, it's where your heart's coming from. Ray's heart is all about the crowd and the players and his team. Lardarius Webb has been with Harbaugh for eight of his nine years in Baltimore, and he can see how the evolution, both the team's cultural evolution and John's personal evolution, has had a tangible effect on how the players respond to him today. Here he is with my colleagues, Ryan Mink and Garrett Downing. I could just say when he first got here, he wasn't a player's coach. I'm going to tell you, he was not. I'm going to tell you, but now he is. I mean, I think he's just got that experience. You know, he got some more, he got veterans on our team. Us, we're growing up a little bit. You know, me, Jimmy, you know, Albert, you got Joe, Yonder, his guys, you know, Sam. You know, we're growing up now, so he can kind of. You grew up with him. Yeah, I grew up with him. You know, he got doomed, so now he don't. He don't figure like he have to be so, so, so hard. He just know how to get, you know, his message across now without being so tough. Now, he can get that same, usually he'll get that message out but be real tough with it. But now he can get that same message out with the same effect, but just not as horrible as he used to be. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love him, man. I I love him to death, man. My my, my coach, man, I don't know nothing else, but I, I... Harps, I, I understand him. You know what I mean? He wants to win. I could ask for a better coach, you know? Um, and he listens now, you know? And that's the reason I want to say that, you know, that he, he's becoming that player's coach where you just, you just love him, you know what I mean? And he's the guy, you, you want to win for him, mm. you know? Like, I go out and put it on the line for this guy. Want a perfect example of how things have changed? All I need to do is say the name of one player to show that Harbaugh can have a strong relationship with a brash, trash-talking bully on his team. And here it is. Wide receiver, Steve Smith Sr. Ready for somebody? Here we go. This is a nail. Him in a coffin. You're dead. Take your ass back to Carolina. Make sure you 
mow my lawn too while you're out there. Keep it clean for me. What happened between you and Tlaib on the field early in the game? I don't know. You're going to ask him because he didn't finish the game. Ice up, son. Ice up. That film was a coaching session. They're going to be co- they're going they're gonna to be coaching. I'm 35 years old and I ran around them boys like they were schoolyard kids. I, when I think of a Baltimore Raven, and I'm Baltimore Raven, what I think of is you go in there, you take your lunch box, you take your sandwich, we take your juice box, you take your applesauce, and we take your fork and we break it. And he said, I'm not scared of you. I said, okay, cool. I'll see you after the game. Okay, so I, I, went, to, I went to public school, S-K-O-O-L. So that means you understand what I'm talking about. So after the end of the game, I had a little chit-chat with him. That last quote was Smith talking about a trash-talking exchange he had with then-rookie cornerback Jalen Ramsey of the Jacksonville Jaguars. They had an explosive back-and-forth on the field last year that carried into the media. Listen to Harb's response when a journalist asked if he had a conversation with Smith, a 16-year veteran, about how to conduct himself. No. No. I didn't have a conversation with him. Okay. I didn't think that was necessary. I was actually in the middle of that at one point. I got caught in the middle of that. By accident? Yeah, it was kind of fun. You know, I thought Steve Smith had a heck of a game. You know, I, he uh, if that's how he responds to whatever challenge was put before him out there, and I'm, I'm for it. I'm for having that happen every week, you know? Steve Smith seems to understand how to take things right up to the edge of being fiery and competitive, which is needed in a tough and violent sport like football. But in Baltimore, he never really took things so far that it hurt his team with penalties or fines. He knew how to fire people up without going over the line. And Harbaugh trusted him to do that. I caught up with Smith outside the Ravens' locker room to talk about his relationship with Harbaugh. And he said that while they've had their own small run-ins, he overall appreciates how Harbaugh takes the time to get to know him personally and lets him be himself. You know, he lets me, he, not just me, he he lets each... Each guy has his own relationship with him and with me and him. It's, it's, um, you know, we talk about a lot of different things, you know, family, uh, legacy, and that stuff. And the first thing when I told him, hey, I'm going to Chicago to see my son, first thing he said was, tell him I said hello. You know, and so, like, things like that. Yeah. So that means a lot to me. And so when we're out there grinding, even though I may not want to work as hard as I want to today, he gave me something to work for. The guys that he really connects with, football is just a conduit. He keeps those relationships via text or email, even when guys are done. I know guys who he's coached uh, seven years ago that he still may drop a text to here and there. After such a rocky start with Harbaugh in those early years, I was super curious what JJ thought when he saw somebody like Steve Smith thrive with John Harbaugh. Yeah, and I I mean, I don't know this, but I believe that if Steve had been here in 2008 and 2009, I don't think it would have been a real good relationship. But the coach that John is today, it's a phenomenal relationship. I bet I bet Steve is one of John's favorite players he's ever coached. Um, and then if it had been six or seven years ago, I don't know if it, if it, if it would have worked out. It's just the progression that John has made, who he's become. I brought to Harbaugh some of the feedback from people like Ozzie Newsom, Jarrett Johnson, and Lardarius Webb to see if he agreed with their assessments. And I was mostly curious about why he thinks he's changed so much. Was he tough because he was inexperienced? Or would he do the same thing all over again, knowing everything he knows today? It's interesting how they describe you back then versus how they describe you now. 
like Lardarius Webb said that you were tough, tough when you first came in, and you weren't really known as a player's coach. He said, now you're definitely a player's coach. And he said that he and the team love you so much that they want to go out and sacrifice and win for you. And then Jared Johnson said to me that he felt like Steve Smith, who's known as a brash guy, wouldn't have worked back then, but totally works now. Do you feel like you've changed because you finally won them over, or is it just, what, did you evolve? Did they just not yeah. see you the right way? Like, what do you think happened there? I think it's, it's a great question. I, I'm sure I've grown, you know, and I, yeah. you learn. Um, I, I'm sure I have. But I also understand, you know, really where we were at then. You know, I think I'm, I'm basically fundamentally the same person and have the same beliefs. And if I was walking into that same situation now, I think I'd be more like I was then. I think they'd see me the same way as I was then. Okay. Because because really it was there was really a real a real a real fight for the kind of the control of the team, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, and I wish I wasn't backing down. I mean, there's I, a certain way the team the team was going to be what we were all about. And that meant certain things were going to be done certain ways. You can say right, wrong, or whatever. But once we were established that we're going to do it this way, then I couldn't, I couldn't back off of those things. You know, we were going to run to the ball on defense. We were, we were not going to be a, a penalty, the leading penalty team in the league. You know, we we're going to play with discipline. We we're going to play hard. We we're going to be, we we're going to play in the back end. We we're going to have discipline. We weren't going to give up big plays in critical situations. Mm -hmm. You know, those are all things that, that, and, and that, and where we track that back. It's about, it's about doing the little things right and well. It's about discipline. Discipline in every area of your life and the small things is what makes the big things fall in place. And that's just something that we've always been taught and I've always believed. So we were going to dress a certain way in the plane. We were going we to finish a conditioning drill a certain way. We were just going to do things a certain way. Even the way we wore our uniforms were going to be a certain way. And there was so much pushback you know, back then, because guys like Ed, you know, didn't understand why are we doing all this crazy stuff? Why is this? Why does this even matter? And five years later, he goes, "I get it now. It makes sense. I see how it all fit together." So I was in a position where I just had to have a real strong backbone, and I just couldn't back up on really too much of anything at that time. And now so it was that, principle based. Yes. Not, I didn't know what I was doing back then, because you do the same thing today. There are principles that you have to fight for. Right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, now the, those things are established. Those things are the way we do things. So I don't have those battles every right. single day. So I can, the relationship can be more, you know, it can be more encouraging. It can be more reinforcing for guys. I do think I've grown a lot and I've learned how to spend a lot more time, you know, in relationship with players, you know. And that was something Steve really, really helped me grow through and learn. And that was big, man. That was, I mean, I've always had great relationships with players. I was always a good recruiter, you know, and always could do that. But Genuine relationships take a lot of work, mm -hmm. you know, so now my time is spent doing that and I think the players really respond to that. But really at the time I really wasn't as mature or prepared to do that then, but I also really didn't have the time to do it because I felt like every day I came into work I was in a battle, Right. really, you know, and I think they sensed that too and yet we still managed to, to be successful through all that because I think we all realized, you know, where I was always talking to them about, hey, we're not in conflict with one another. You know, we've, we're trying to get somewhere. You know, we're trying to reduce drag. We're trying to become something. You don't win a championship, you become a champion. Right. And, uh, and they were here those things too. You know, that was part of the transformation, I think. But the transformation, as you learn over time, it's, it's uh, everybody gets transformed. Right. We all do. We all grow together. And that's why when the championship is finally won, you know, the great saying, you know, we will walk together forever. 
becomes a reality and it's really a true thing. It's hard to argue that Harbaugh should have changed his approach because not only did his football team enjoy a playoff berth in each of his first five seasons, but with hindsight, his players seemed to cherish their relationship with him. That's how JJ felt. I think that today, you know, our rocky times that we had kind of made our relationship closer. I think in, in if we had, if I'd just been a guy, we'd never gone through that, that, um, that he would just have been another head coach and I would just have been another player. But I think that, you know, I know that he's very special to me as a coach and that I, th I would think that he thinks the same of me. Next time on Man of the Crowd, we look at John and Jim's unique childhood growing up in the Wolverines locker room, plus Jim's return as the Messiah of Michigan football. Ladies and gentlemen, he's won the Wolverines with 20th coach in Michigan football history. New University. Thank you very much. You know how to make a guy feel at home. And uh, my family and I appreciate it very much, and I love you too. Thank you very much. Somebody asked me if I was going to come to Ann Arbor and see the Messiah. I'm wondering how comfortable or uncomfortable you are with this perception that you're the savior of Michigan football. And I can remember when they could just barely walk, John and Jim, that she would bring them out to the practice field. And all at once a ball would go over my shoulder, and I didn't look back, I said, oh, please, dear God, don't let this be one of mine. <laughs> and then Bo wouldn't say anything, he'd just glare at me, get those damn kids off the field. What do you think Bo would say right now if he saw Jim leading this program? Oh, he'd be so proud. And I think he does know. How about that? I think he looks down. I'm getting emotional just talking about it. Bo was very, very, very proud of Jim. And, and told him one day that he thought he would, he would be back and would be coaching at the University of Michigan before he, I just got chills before he passed away. Hey, Man of the Crowd listeners, before you go, I just wanted to say thank you for such a strong showing of support for this podcast. We've been very happy with how many there are of you out there listening. And we'd love to have even more people find us. So please consider rating the podcast and writing a review. The more subscribers and the more positive ratings that Man of the Crowd gets, the more others will be able to find it too. Also, don't forget to continually check back on our microsite at baltimoreravens.com backslash man of the crowd for content that complements what you're listening to here, including biographies of key interviews I've conducted, photo galleries, and more. And as always, I want to hear from you guys after each episode. If you have any comments or questions or whatever, hit me up on Twitter. My handle is at SG Ellison. I look forward to your feedback and would love to interact with you. Okay, that's it. That's all I've got. But I'll be back next week with Episode 5, The Michigan Messiah returns. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279. Or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l e e s a dot com slash iHeart.